1: Sunday, the 26th of February. Welcome to Out of the Blue. I'm Heather. And I'm Erin. And we'd like to welcome you to the show today. Um, Today, we've got a really exciting guest with us. We're going to talk all things old, I guess, is the best way of putting (laughs) it. Very old. Now, you may be listening to us live or you may be listening (laughs) online at 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. Or you might be podcasting us as well. So welcome, however you are listening to us today.
0: The 18th National Sustainable Living Festival is on again from the 4th to the 28th of February 2017. As dangerous climate change continues to threaten the things we care about, a sustainable lifestyle and restoring a safe climate is more important than ever. Featuring leading forums, artworks, talks, exhibitions and a new online festival program, it's time to ramp up the message and protect the things you care about. Event applications and full details at slf.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Good morning, everyone out there. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. Now, today we wanted to talk about something I did during the week, something very exciting. As Heather mentioned we want to talk about old things, and that's exactly what I went out and found. I went out to, down to Morris, and I found something very old indeed. In fact, 5.2 million years old. Really? That, that's pretty ancient. Okay. Now, of course, I am referring to a fossil. I did find a carcadon, hastalis. I hope I pronounced that correctly. You did, yes. Tooth. And it's absolutely amazing and really fascinating. Of course, I didn't go down there by myself. I went down with a fossil enthusiast, and that's who we have here with us today. Ben?
2: Yes, uh, my name is Ben Francis Shelley, and I'm the one responsible for taking Aaron down to the beach and finding that said fossil. It was a very exciting day, wasn't it, Aaron?
0: Look, Ben is absolute <laughs> enthusiast. He's absolutely nuts about fossils, loves loves them, uh, was in the car, and I think I got about two words in. And uh, he was just talking about all the different gipses he's found, all the different fossils he's found. But it is absolutely fascinating. And um, you've been prospecting down there for quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, the last three years, last specifically. Three years. And so. you found quite a lot.
2: An awful lot of different animals. It's literally the lost world when it comes down to that place. lost world, okay. So uh, you've got dugongs. You've got heaps and heaps of ancient whales. In terms of sperm whales, you've got four different genuses, not just species, but genuses of sperm whale, including the biggest one that ever existed on the face of the earth called the Leviathan.
0: Fantastic. That yeah. just sounds like something out of uh, sci-fi. Or, but or you, Moby Dick, even. You've actually got the fossil to prove it. It's absolutely there, and it's um, something to... Something to watch and be very in awe of.
2: Well, every single time I find something unique, I go to the museum. I give it to them. So I prospect on behalf of the museum specifically. We go on a lot of different digs. The digs can range from anywhere along the coast of Victoria. So we can go to Cretaceous digs all the way in the Otways and Inverloch as well. uh, To ones in the Oligocene dating about 25 million years ago. Wow. Uh, 25
0: million years. So I thought 5.2 was old. 25 million years. It's (laughs)
2: even more ancient, yeah. So, the idea is to basically find articulated skeletons. That's what we really want. That's what's exciting. And for me, the most exciting thing to find are whales. Because they're just the biggest animals that have ever existed on the face of the earth. And to think that you can find their precursors in the dirt around us
0: is really exciting. Sure. So, you've obviously found fossils from whales. Oh, yes, I have. Can you tell us a little bit of that? What, what, What do you find when you find a fossil from a whale? I mean...
2: So usually you find the densest part of the bone. You usually find part of the skull or the vertebrae. You don't find things like the baleen or the fat. That kind of stuff just gets eaten away mm. as soon as the body starts to decomposition as well.
0: Right. Okay. Mm. And so can you tell a lot about these animals? I mean, you've only got a small fragment, maybe a, a tooth. Can you tell much about the... The great animal?
2: So when it comes to looking at these animals, the best thing to find are their ear bones. And ear bones, their ear bones right. are humongous in comparison to them. Like if you take our ear bones, they're just absolutely minuscule, they're like basically the white size of your fingernail. Oh, but okay. with these animals, you're talking, you know, ancient ear bones that are basically the size of two of your fists put together. Wow, And they're incredibly diagnostic. So you can tell it on almost a species level,
0: what kind of animal you've got. Just from the ear bone? Just from the ear bone. That's pretty incredible. And uh, look, I suppose if I was to go down here and look, find a a, a rock of an ear bone, I I wouldn't recognise it. So. You've obviously been working in this field for quite a while. You'd recognize this straight away. You'd recognize the importance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's pretty incredible.
2: It it is very difficult. At first, when I first went down there, uh, the first thing I found were these mass death assemblages of echinoids, which are heart urchins, and they're strewn absolutely everywhere. It was only by the second or third time that I actually started to find teeth. And the predominant vertebrate species that you find down there are sharks. There's heaps and heaps of different sharks, including the biggest one that ever existed as well,
0: the megalodon, which is a really exciting one. That is... Oh, look, I would love to have a a tooth of that, or let alone find one. That'd be amazing. I mean,
2: a 15-metre-long shark that used to predate on smaller baleen whales up to
0: about two-odd million years ago. Wow. Wow. Okay, so you you got into fossils by going down to this particular area in Beaumaris Mm. and finding hard urchins. Um, And then it just became a love affair after you found other shark teeth it
2: absolutely blossoms from there so I was always interested when I was a kid Uh, when I was a kid I always wanted to be a velociraptor when I grew up
1: (laughs) that's so cute that's like Ralph on the Simpsons when he wants to be a principal or a caterpillar
2: exactly (laughs) so I had high aspirations of being a velociraptor nice and I always always be the person to dream dream one can dream well yeah exactly have you given up on this dream yet that's what we all want to know (laughs) I don't see myself growing feathers With genetic modification
1: who knows I mean we're advancing
2: we are making advancements every day it's really but you never know; weird yeah. things can happen in the future. So.
0: <laughs> okay, interesting. All right.
1: So, um. so, as a kid, you wanted to be a Velociraptor.
2: So, and then I soon realised that I would never be able to achieve that goal. And then I was like, well, I'd love to be a paleontologist. At Just what age the,
1: did you realise you couldn't so. achieve that goal? Last
2: Almost uh, the first week of trying to become a Velociraptor, I remember playing on the on the playset, and then everyone was like, "Look at that weird kid." So I was just like, well, maybe I should, you know, become a paleontologist instead. That sounds like it would be exciting. I love that so. you committed an entire
0: week to this dream.
2: Well, it was a weird dream. <laughs> so even for a six-year-old.
0: This, this oh, six-year-old. I was thinking maybe last year. Um, <laughs> Ooh, but, but that's fantastic that you've moved on. You know, moved on from wanting to be a philosopher after all and be, wanting to be a paleontologist. Look, it's not that common, I would say, that people have this dream and then continue it through their adult life. You've certainly um, gotten a dream and you've seen it through. That is absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, and you've, you seem to be finding fossils all along the coast. Um.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, there's a number of localities that I go to. So Morris is just one specific locality that yep. dates back to about 5.2 million years ago. Sure. There's another one in Batesford, which is just near Geelong, that dates back to the early Miocene that's about 16 or 20-odd million years ago. And then there's also Janjuk that I go to all the time, which is about the early Oligocene, kind of late Miocene period as well. Cool. So that's when you start to see the uprising of the modern forms of whales around us. Right. As well. So. Can
0: you take us to, through, when you are going down these areas, when you are prospecting, what sort of methods are you using? Are you just going down, literally looking on the ground, or are you making a big hole, getting so or
2: I, I don't like making the holes, unless it's with the help of other museum staff as well. Sure. But the only time we ever really need to is when we find something on the surface. When we see that tiny little bone projecting out, yep. we dig a big ditch around it, because we're not quite sure how big that bone's going to get sure. as well. And then we get it out by doing very careful methods in doing so.
0: Okay. So I assume you've dug some really big holes and uh, yeah. found tiny little bones on maybe just...
2: Yeah, the Cretaceous dig to up in the Otways, I recently came off that about a week ago, and that was very painful. Right. So <laughs> when it comes to the fossils in there, the fossils are weaker than the surrounding matrix or the sediment right. that it's buried in. So when you break them open, you break open the fossil in half. So it is well. a bit of hit
0: and miss out there. Sometimes it's a good day, sometimes it's a bad day. Oh, but, absolutely. But it's obviously enough to keep you there. And it's obviously very exciting when you do find something.
2: Oh, man, it, they've just got so many stories of all these fantastic things They're just sure. keep on popping sure. up. Well, okay so. fill us
0: in what, what are the most amazing things that you have found or the most scientifically uh important i guess one of the most scientifically important things i found this
2: year uh sorry last year at around this time um i, I was basically diving at the time at about two meters of water and i found this 70 centimeter long concretion in the water oh okay like, this, is, this looks interesting so yep. it looks like a concretion so i basically got it up on my knee and i broke it in half to see if there was any bone inside of it. And right. sure enough, there was a thin cortex of bone that was all the way through it. And I was like, wow, this wow. Okay. is incredible. My friend, James, he was on the foreshore and I basically yelled out to him. I said, James, James, you've got to come and have a look at this. This is an incredible find. You won't even believe it. Yep. He came around and we both agreed on what it was. And it really is just the most amazing animal. And and what is it? So it's about five million years ago, there were these giant pseudo pseudotooth birds called the pelagornithids. So, So like a pelican these days? So, think of something like an albatross. Okay. Except, I mean, you look at the wandering albatross, it has a wingspan of about four meters in length. Except, this pelagonithid had a wingspan of six to seven meters in length. Wow. The largest flying bird that has ever existed since the
0: time of the dinosaurs. And you found evidence of this. And I found one of its arm bones as well. How does that make you feel when you're finding something so immense and so amazing and really putting it on the map here in Victoria? Uh, I probably screamed like a little girl when I came out of the water to be completely honest with you
2: okay. I knew I did know exactly what it was as soon as I found it so I knew of the importance we took it straight to the museum yep. we got it prepped up in a couple of months and we were able to tell it was a 70 centimeter long arm bone
0: from a pelagornithid, and that that's is really impressive. really exciting that's pretty so. impressive yeah sure and you were mentioning before some of the whale bones that you have been finding so ear bones and uh, teeth have you found anything significant there? Um, two weeks ago actually I found something very significant okay. also I think
2: it is significant but it's still got to be debated upon by other paleontologists in the lab, of course. Um, One thing with ear bones is that they can be very inflated, and there's one part of it called the posterior process, and that's getting into the politics of it all. But uh, what's interesting is the pygmy right whale has this hugely inflated posterior process, and it's very, very obvious. When you're
0: mentioning inflated? Explain so that too. Very large in really?
2: comparison to the rest of the size of the ear bone.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
2: Sure. So this ear bone is massive. I think I found part of the posterior process of a pygmy right whale, which mm-hmm. would mean that it was the second piece of paleontological evidence for that species ever found in the fossil record.
0: The second only, second ever, in the ever. world. Yeah. Wow.
2: So, and considering the pygmy right whale is just such an enigma, we know almost nothing about it. There's about thirty specimens that have ever been seen with right. human eyes, and right. that's it. So. There's still a lot to discover about the modern world, let alone the ancient world as well.
0: Fantastic.
1: So what, what do you think Melbourne used to look like then? Like, Obviously, <coughs> lots of people appreciate that you know, the sea level has changed a lot around Port Phillip Bay, but with the fossils you're finding, what would it have been like swimming in Port Phillip Bay a couple of million years ago?
2: It would have been uh, colonised by a whole bunch of really large seals, probably something like the elephant seals today. They would have had king penguins on the foreshore as well really quite large ones up to about 85 centimeters in Mm. height wow um you had obviously these pelagonithids flying in the air on land you had giant marsupials you had wombats the size of cows and in the water you had this assemblage of marine fauna that's unlike anywhere else in the world today it does sound Fascinating, but a little bit terrifying. It would have been pretty terrifying, I imagine. Yeah, to every animal is larger than you. (laughs) Well, in this particular time frame, you have two hypercarnivorous animals that were predating on baleen whales. Yeah, that's you had Carcharodon megalodon, the largest shark at about 15 meters in length, the size of a school bus. The largest teeth that have ever been recovered from the site were five inches, but all over the world, seven inches in size. Wow. About the same size as your head. Something I it's very impressive. <laughs> and with the Leviathan, the only thing that's ever been found of it, the Leviathan, for those of you who are wondering, was a hypercarnivorous sperm whale. So, it was also the same kind of length as the Megalodon, about 15 meters in size. But the only thing they ever found of it was a single tooth. But this tooth, which was found last year in February, was the same size as
0: a two-liter Coke bottle. Wow. So this is, that's very impressive. Yeah, absolutely massive. I'm still
1: trying to picture an environment where you have two top apex predators. Like usually an environment has a single top predator who's keeping everything in check and eating, but two, I mean, that would have been a really crazy sort of environment.
2: And in addition to that as well, you get the precursor of the great white shark. That was even bigger than the modern great white shark at about 7 to 8 metres in size called Carcharodon hostalis, which was the tooth
0: that you found. which is big and impressive. So just that little tooth was enough for me to go, wow. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I know. I mean, the tooth that you found probably came from a 3-metre long specimen. And and that in itself is still a big shark by modern standards. Yeah.
1: Now, Ben, when you came in today, you did specifically request a particular song, and we (laughs) have managed to find (laughs) it for you. So I was wondering whether... You would like to introduce this song for us today. Well,
2: I figured because we're talking about Melbourne's lost world and the animals that came from the past, we'd be talking about... Everyone loves Jurassic Park. It's the kind of movie that got me involved in paleontology as well. So we're going to put on the theme tune to Jurassic Park.
1: All right, so everybody enjoy. Enjoy. Join the International Women's Day rally on Wednesday the 8th of March at 5.30pm, starting at Parliament House and finishing at Trades Hall for an after-party. International Women's Day sparked the Russian Revolution 100 years ago. And in honour and memory of our sisters then, who took strike action over bread, we raised the demand, peace, bread and land. Join us for the IWD rally on Wednesday, March the 8th at 5.30pm at Parliament House. Contact the Women's Team at Trades Hall for more details or visit unionwomen.org.au. The IWD Collective, Victoria Trades Hall Council and the Trades Hall Women's Team are 3CR supporters. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. Uh, That was obviously the theme song from Jurassic Park. Thank you very much, Ben. No worries. Um, So you're listening to us on 3CR at 855 AM, or you might be listening online at 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. Or, of course, you could be podcasting us months down the track. Who knows? But today we are talking about fossils, particularly the fossils you could find around Port Phillip Bay. And, Ben, you were just telling us during the song that you found some other Pretty amazing stuff out there.
2: Yeah, one specific thing that I found, uh, one of them was back in 2014, and it was a tusk from a beaked whale. This type of whale was called Mesoplodon. And for those of you who aren't very familiar with beaked whales, beaked whales, the males, have these engorged lower teeth that basically form tusks, and they use them to spar with one another. This tusk that I found was the fifth one in the fossil record that had ever been discovered as well. It was very, very exciting. That's pretty impressive. But the more exciting thing about that was then back in 2016 as well, just last year at about the same time when I found the Pelagonithid, um, I stumbled across the other tusk on the opposite side of the jaw of the same specimen. Also, we think it could have potentially come from the same specimen
0: wow so you found both teeth
2: yeah in separate dives in, in two years apart
0: so, wow that, that's impressive yeah, these aren't that teeth. In these itself are, these brilliant. are
2: tusks you know this is from a six meter long whale and these males some of them have just got the most bizarre ornamentation as well like if you take Layard's beaked whale for example the tusks literally go over the top of the nose and don't really enable the animal to open any more than 20 degrees at all its mouth it's absolutely ludicrous. Look, that is weird. And all they do is suck in squid, and that's all they can do. But apparently, the females find that attractive.
1: So. I feel like this should have been part of our Sex in the Sea show. I mean, they were pretty good last we year. We can
2: do a part three of Sex part in the
1: three Sea. Of There's is
0: so the much staging. more. There is a ridiculous amount of it, interesting. It may
1: stuff, come out so. later this year.
0: We just we really only hit on the the tip of the iceberg or the tip of the nipple. Um, but look, you you are absolutely amazing us with all these ama- um, really awesome things that you've been finding. And what I love is that you're so enthusiastic about these things that you are pulling up, and it sounds like some of these things are really quite important. Important putting things uh, species on the on the fossil record. You've kept that dream from a, uh, from a kid. Yep. Uh, what would what advice would you give to anyone who possibly, uh, if there are any children listening, or even adults who are looking at prospecting in Victoria?
2: Uh, all I would say is persevere. You can Personally. do it eventually. You have to love it. There's no point going into a job if you don't love it as well. I love paleontology because every single dive I do, every single foray I do into the field, there's something new that you can come out of it. You can completely change the faunal composition of everything that you knew in the past by one single find. Like that. how like Leviathan Tooth did yep. as well. So that completely changed everything that we knew about Bow Morris. And that was just a single tooth as
0: well it
1: reminds me a little bit too of um, Sir David Attenborough obviously a favorite amongst all of us absolutely um, but in his book I think it was on the air um, he talks about how when he was younger you know they've gone on this family holiday and he'd chosen all these specific spots along the road trip to stop and go looking for fossils and he'd hop off, you know, hop out of the car and he'd go and find some fossils and he'd bring them back to the car and they'd drive onto the next spot and he'd go off and find some fossils and bring them back to the car. And at the last stop, he came back and discovered that his mum was actually dumping the fossils that he found <laughs> oh. on the side of the road because they desperately just wanted to get to their holiday destination. <laughs> so, you know, you really do have to persevere. <laughs> Can you imagine if that had stopped David Attenborough's love of nature at that point? Where would we be?
0: Exactly, we wouldn't have the I great stuff. I can't documentaries we have a world today.
1: without David Attenborough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he may have found some really unique things, and they're on the side of a road now.
1: I'm sure his mother supported him in many other ways. <laughs> yes, they're the family. They're in the back of the car, the <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but You can't blame them completely. They've, no. Um, look, and so what? What specific advice do you have? Because obviously, I went down with you the other day, and. I don't mind saying, I was absolutely terrible. I was in the water looking around, just thinking to myself, I have absolutely no idea what I'm looking for. There's some rocks. Are they fossils? No, they're just rocks.
1: And you can't really fake it till you make it, can you? You can't just keep coming up with, is it a fossil? No, it's a rock. Is it a fossil? No, it's a rock. And, and I
0: did <laughs> do that quite often. I yes, you did. I had a pile of specifically. rocks, showed it to Ben and said, are any of these fossils? No, they're all rocks. <laughs> uh, And then when I was in the water, I was looking at all these sponges and seaweed, and I just, I was looking at all these nodules, so um, uh, rocky sand that fossils are apparently in, and then I was just getting completely distracted by the fish, because honestly, I was looking around going, ah, am I wasting my time? But I did persevere. I did find some teeth after a while, and that was certainly very inspiring, and I'll certainly be down again. So. What do you look for when when you're going down for a deagle? Um The most
2: important thing when it comes to doing this kind of stuff, when you go out into the field, you've got to train yourself to know what to look for. So yep. when I go out into the field, I look for the bilateral symmetry of uh, of vertebrate items, especially okay. because I mean, there's fantastic things like you get nautiloids as well. So you know the nautilus shells and mm-hmm. the chambered nautilus, and um, but I mean, when it really comes down to it, I'm really fascinated by bones because I mean, we're all vertebrates at the end of the day, yep. and Our whole evolution is linked together, you know. Sure. So um, I guess the bilateral symmetry, making sure you do your research before you get out into the field. Make sure you know what you're going to be looking for because if you don't, you simply don't know what to pick up. Yeah, of course, of course.
0: So, and and I suppose years of practice have helped you just pick them up for just from looking. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and also I wouldn't necessarily recommend that just anybody go out into the field. The field is a dangerous place as well. The places that I go to are just overladen with cliffs, and the cliffs fall down all the time. Like, take Dan Janjuk, for example. That place is scary to go near if you're in a cliff, and where you find the fossils, half the time, are in the cliff as well. So, usually there's a humongous overarch, and there's a tympanic bulla that's just sitting right where you need to get to it as well, but unfortunately, if you're afraid that the cliff's going to fall on top of you if you do in that case you don't go get it because you're going to die it's <laughs> so, it's a very tricky thing so a really takes,
1: important message there kids don't yeah. die
2: yeah <laughs> don't die. yes i mean if you're really interested in doing it you know make sure you check out the weather beforehand you know yeah. check out the resources that are available on the internet and only do so if you're with an adult especially or somebody who knows what they're doing there are a yep. few people who know how to do yep. this kind of stuff and see if you can contact them i mean i've got my instagram if you're interested in ever joining me just give me a message on my Instagram.
1: Well, we might put a link on the Facebook page. We'll also put a link up to some of these um, organisms you've been talking about. Yeah. Because obviously, radio is a little bit of a hard medium to get across <laughs> some of these incredible animals.
0: Absolutely. We have to use our imagination a lot if you're listening in.
1: You really do, don't you? Just
0: imagine a a shark tooth but made out of uh, stone and just really beautiful, absolutely really beautiful.
1: And I'm a visual person, so I am definitely struggling with some of this today. But yes, we will put some links up on our Facebook page. So definitely join our Facebook page. We're easy to find. We're out of the blue on 3CR. Um, Put up there any suggestions that you'd like us to talk about as well because – you know, we'd like to know what everybody wants to know about. There's a lot going on now, marine environment. It's absolutely. pretty great place here in Melbourne. You know, Ben might put out there, look what I just found. I've just found a, I don't know. What are you going to look, look for Usually next?
0: whales, usually. What so, are you looking forward to finding? So in,
2: in the next week, uh, there's going to be an expedition led by the museum down at Janjok for an entire week. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be very, very exciting because we're looking for articulated skeletons of the precursors of the modern form of the baleen whale. So wow. keep in mind that the, you know, the biggest baleen whale today is the blue whale. It's 30 metres long. You know, it's the same size as a basketball court. Weighs 180 metric tonnes, but they have very small beginnings yeah. as well. The whales that we're looking for are no bigger than 3 to 5 metres in size, but they're baleen whales that have teeth. Right. These animals haven't yet developed the baleen that they need to eat those gigantic quantities of krill. Mm. So it's really exciting to find stuff like that and get yeah. the so opportunity to do how that. How
1: do you even go, yep, That's going to be the spot that I go looking for them.
2: Years and years of practice. Right. So, hundreds of about 100 years of prospecting in the area has yielded a lot of different remains from individuals in the public. So, uh, the museum wouldn't be the way it is
0: without the help of the public. It's as simple as that. Sure. So, it's a little bit more than just picking a spot in your backyard and doing a, doing a bit of a dig with yeah, you. Yeah,
2: could, you could dig down, you know, 10 meters, but I'm pretty sure you wouldn't find anything. I think I'd probably just
1: find do. my goldfish from when I was little. Oh, oh yeah. I wasn't uh. very good with looking after fish. My cat ate most of them.
0: Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Marine ecology show. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: tried really hard. I was quite young. Okay. Well, unfortunately, that does almost bring us to the end of the show. Um, But we just wanted to give you a bit of a heads up about what we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks' time. So in a few weeks' time, um, on the 31st of March... It is Sustainable Seafood Day.
2: Ooh, exciting. Mm. So
1: on the 26th, Aaron and I are going to be doing a show about where you can source sustainable seafood here in Victoria and what you need to look for. Because obviously there is so much seafood out there, but nobody's, you know, some people are looking at the best practice. Some people are still just looking at how much can we get and how much can we make for it.
0: It's a very difficult minefield to be able to, uh, source your fish sustainably as a consumer.
1: So, we're going to be putting some tips on Facebook leading up to that show, but uh, definitely make sure you check that out. In the meantime, if you want to listen to us again, because our voices are so incredible, yeah. um, I would recommend listening online at 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue. You can also podcast our shows, though. And if you did miss our Sex in the Sea shows last year, I think they're still available for podcast at the moment so i would definitely go back and listen to those so you're ready for part three whenever that comes out this year
0: they're they're titillating so uh absolutely (laughs) jump online and have a listen
1: um and other than that yeah jump on facebook tell us what you want to hear about but next up is out of the pan with sally so enjoy your sunday and get out there and look for some fossils
2: absolutely guys bye-bye see ya